This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Guys, just before we get started, if you're loving the podcast, can you please go leave us a five-star review on Spotify and please make sure that you subscribe on whatever channel that you listen to us on. It helps us out dramatically. We employed these fabulous people. They are entrusted with so much information on a day-to-day basis. They are entrusted with millions of dollars of budgets. They are entrusted with making really big decisions. We entrust them with our numbers. We entrust them that they absolutely understand what the P&L is looking like. Mm -hmm. We entrust them with the strategy. We entrust them with knowledge. You've got to do that. Because people then feel like, oh, the the organisation cares about me. They, you know, that they they, they 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 take the time to to communicate. I know where I fit in this. You know, at the end of the day, my job is to trust and inspire. Welcome to the podcast once again. I know. How lucky I am to be back for a second time. Second time. Well, you know, we were just talking about off air how um, with your previous episode, it's still our best performing, (laughs) right? No no pressure. No pressure. (laughs) No, but, but, uh, you know, the the interesting thing is, is like in the game, in in this game of like building this this kind of channel and and this as a media um, channel is, is, is very much about followings and this is how social media works and you know it's when I say that I mean you get someone on and they might have a big following and then that's how we can grow our following and then that's how it happens but you know with yourself obviously we talked you know like you know in terms of being active like you obviously are are active but it's not something that you focus on obviously because of you know your personal um Instagram and and you know everything that you have going on right um but for you know uh, there's another side to this where it's about the actual conversations that you're having. And I think it was just a testament to yourself of like, um, obviously you've, you've been doing what you're doing for a very long time um, and have so much wisdom and experience, but uh, you know, for it to be the best performing and it, I think it just speaks to, you know, that conversation, even for me, like last time was, I remember like leaving the conversation and obviously Braden was on with us last time and, we kind of looked at each other and just thought, wow, that's, we knew that uh, that was going to be amazing. But um, the TikTok, you know, <laughs> the TikTok, 1.2 million views, yeah. 20, I think it's up to 22,000 shares. So, you know, uh, unbelievable. Um, but, you know, how could we not get you back on after yeah, that? Um, but I mean, look, it's, it's been, a, it's been nearly a year, you know, so there's a lot that's happened and, um, you know, pretty excited to kind of get into that, you know, with you and, and, and have a bit of a chat. Um, so we might start with, you know, what, what's it been like coming out of COVID, you know, for, for Country Road and obviously managing the business and, and obviously there's a new set of challenges. Yeah, I think first of all, Carl, what I'd love to do is just um, acknowledge my team. Um, I've got to say... I get the pleasure to work with phenomenal individuals um, every single day um, and I'm really a representation of them today. So what I share is, is the great work that my team have done. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we did. We got through a pandemic. 
Uh, I think to the retail teams, the way that they've had to, um, you know, open and close stores at a minute's notice um, was, you know, incredibly challenging. Um, you know, we've had all different types of shipping issues. Um, but we're, I suppose we're at a different phase now, aren't we? I mean, you know, we, you know, it felt like we were in this big dipper and I, I suppose right now we're kind of feeling like it's a bit of the scenic railway, you know, yeah. on a Saturday night. It's a little bit more like this now um, because I think we could all look back and go, wow, we, we all survived it. Um, mm. But I think right now we've, we've got to thrive. So we've really got to shift our mindset to thriving now because I think you can only be in survival mode for so long and it is about how we all thrive going together. Uh, so really when we think about what the future is about or what, what so we should say what right now is about, um, I think it's for us settling our teams down um, and settling them in. Um, there's uh, certainly embracing hybrid ways of working and we hear about that all the time and it's such an easy word to say, but in practice when you have got uh, you know, 200 team members uh, in an office and then you've also got a retail workforce as well too, mm -hmm. what does hybrid mean? Um, particularly for a retail workforce. Mm. Um, and so, so for, for, a, for a kind of a support centre, it's a little bit easier, but it does mean that you do have to review the way that you're meeting um, and I do think that hybrid ways of working starts at the top. And I certainly embrace hybrid ways of working. I think that I'm a better leader for it. Um, could, did I believe that it could have been possible, you know, three years ago? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not, Carl. I was not that person, but, uh, but certainly embracing that with all of the teams. And I think that that's the wonderful thing about leadership, isn't it? You're always learning. Mm. You're always learning something from your teams. And, uh, and so for me, I think, you know, knowing that our teams are so passionate and committed um, and that you trust that within your teams is really, really quite, heart, you know, heartfelt for me. So, so, so really nailing down, you know, the hybrid ways of working. I think customers uh, are really coming back into our store environments now mm -hmm. and we're seeing that in footfall. Uh, we're also seeing, uh, I'm going to say, a return to kind of a local shopping as well too and nothing better for strip stores now you know we, we went through a period where it was all about the shopping center but now we're seeing greater demands on these local neighborhoods so how wonderful is that for local business local mm. restaurants local you know local coffee shops to actually have people coming back into their local areas so i think that that's great but then there's also many challenges i mean you just have to pick up the paper and you, the media just loves doom and gloom and, uh, and sometimes sensationalising everything. Mm -hmm. And that will weigh down on the way people feel because we've just come out of this pandemic, we were feeling pretty good, and now, you know, there's all conversations that have, they're having about the economy, about electricity. So I think we do have to be mindful of the negativity and, and the impact that that has on people, particularly from a mental health perspective. Um, so so in, in my mind right now, challenges, um, of course, are uh, economic challenges, uh, we're also seeing a lot of sickness. Uh, mm. We're not winter fit. Yeah, literally. You know? We're just <laughs> talking about it. Melbourneians are really, really... But actually, we're not winter fit at all. So we are seeing an increase in, uh, in illness with our teams, which then places greater demand on the teams that are left because they have to pick up, you know, the work that's not being done. And, and, and team, some team members can be out for, you know, four days, five days, which is quite a significant amount of time. So we're, we're just kind of monitoring that and just trying to understand it more. Um, and, and then, of course, I think, you know, one of the challenges that we face, regardless of COVID or not, 
is um, is the environmental impact mm-hmm. um, that, as a fashion industry, mm-hmm. uh, we really need to make greater gains on, um, and that is um, from a sustainability perspective and also from an ethical perspective as well too. So certainly, as an organisation, that is our laser focus: bringing our teams back into you know back out of COVID into hybrid ways of working, understanding what's getting in the way, understanding the ways of working. Um, and just removing pain points for people. I think people are less tolerant now. You know, they really want to come to an organisation and they want things to work well. And I think that we've got to make sure that we're unpacking that for our, for our people. Mm. Um, and, and then it, it's really about, uh, yeah, just making sure that we are doing the right thing and, and, and fast-tracking the environmental piece for us. What's changed you know, from a management perspective then, you know, so so managing, like talk, if we're combining those two things together, like there's obviously a different work, you know, a, a work style now where we, we are talking about hybrid um, and, and, you know, previously there was, it was in the office five days a week, uh, then it went to not in the office at all and now we're kind of coming back to hybrid but then also, you know, like we, we really are going through a period of time which I think, you know, I, I mean, I'm young and I haven't seen it before. I've only been in business for 10 years, but I haven't seen it around talent and what they're demanding from the organisation, you know, in the current state. Uh, so what's changing in, in management styles then, do you think, you know, in, in you know, like you've obviously going to have, you, you would have went away and thought, what conversations do I need to have with my leaders and, you know, our managers and, you know, how is this changing? Yeah, I think the most important aspect of leadership is to listen mm. and, and to really make sure that you've got a really strong feedback loop coming back into your organisation at all levels of the organisation, all different teams within the organisation. Um, and when you are listening in non-judgement, mm. um, what's really being said? Yeah? What, are they really, what, what are they really asking for? So I think that uh, to develop that to not have preconceived ideas uh, and to understand why that issue is important for that group or, or for the business, I think, is really, really important. So I think that what, what, what we try and do is always understand the person, what's yeah. happening for that person, um, and then the impact that that has within the team, um, and then what problem are we trying to solve. Uh, ultimately, we want to be a great place to work. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's what we want to do. So what's getting in the way? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do think that we are still coming back from COVID. I think that there are. I think we're still trying to get back into a rhythm, um, albeit a new rhythm. Um, but but I have noticed that the last two years, you know, people have put their careers on hold. They've stayed within the security of an organisation, but now they're saying, "Hang on a minute." What, what, you know, what, my, my career, I've lost two years of it. What do I need to do to fast-track my career? What mm. do I need to learn? So I think that we really do need to think about what training and development programs we're putting into place. Mm. Um, what, is, what does succession planning actually look like in an organisation? Because they're the questions that are really coming up now, particularly if I was in my late 20s, early 30s. What's actually changed? Do you think it's changed, mm. like, from before pre-COVID? Or yeah. do, you think we, do you just think that people it's more of like I think the other thing to note too is there seems to be a shortage of skill 
So organisations, all different retail organisations are growing. Um, they're wanting great people and they're certainly now looking for great talent out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that's happening in the market. So I do think that there is – it's a hot market at the moment. People want great talent um, and people are prepared to move as well too. So I think we need to take all of that into consideration and people's careers have been put on hold for two years. So there's this real hunger and desire to, you know, to really fast track your career, to do more, to hurry up and move on, to get another title perhaps on your CV. Mm. Um, And yeah. So interesting that it seems as though there's a premium on talent right now. And that's, you know, you you, you mentioned it before, but you kind of mix that with the supply shock that we have, you know, where there's not, you know, like you said, there's not enough supply of that skill uh, and people, it, you know, like the, the leverage is in favour of, of the individual, right? Where, and, and they're, they're noticing this. And like you said, that they're wanting to move. They're wanting to get active. They're wanting to progress because they, they have this sense of, hey, like I have missed out on the last two years. And I think, Carl, that's where it's really important for a business to be able to grow and expand and accelerate. And that's where we're fortunate with Country Road is that we are a brand that is, is you know, is growing. So... For you to be able to grow as an organisation, you need to have the great talent behind you um, and you need to have those succession plans in place so if somebody can actually see that this is a growing business and I've got somewhere to grow in the organisation. I think if you're a business that was stagnant or on the decline, I think that there would be a rapid, you know, um, exit of of really great talent. Mm. So I think that this is a really pivotal point in an organisation. So yes, I'm prepared to go and, you know, because I want that, you know, that next title but I also want to make sure that it's a great company to work for. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is also, over the last two years, um, y- you can see the organisations that have got great cultures versus those that haven't. Yeah, and, and that's where the EVP is also in the hybrid ways of working. But actually, hybrid ways of working are a great way to work because it actually makes everyone a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, It shouldn't even be an EVP. It just really should be a way of working now. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. I mean, my, my years prick up when you you kind of talk about these things and I often think back to like or even the way I think of uh, the way I'm thinking of it right now is obviously you want to be in a growing company and you want to you want to see the opportunities that are going to that are going to be there and I think you you mix that with great culture uh, and that's you know that's where you can be an accelerant of someone's career and that's the company that is going to attract the talent. Absolutely, Carl. And I think it's also what we're investing in. Uh, you know, I look at the senior leaders that report into me and they've been on an 18-month leadership development program uh, because, we, you know, because you know that when you've got that strength in leadership uh, and then it's all about then the leadership development underneath them and underneath them, they're going to have that same development mindset. And we think that that's really important. I mean, the great thing about business is that you need great people, don't you? So developing those around you and under you is, is going to be really critical. How so? So it sounds like Country Road places massive importance on developing their people, and and I'm thinking just more for say a small business owner. Um, and we just talked about it. You know, how does a how do you attract a ta- you know talent to your your startup or your your business? Um, like, how how important is that to Country Road, and how much do you put into that? You know that that development, like you said, twelve month leadership programs and. And you're doing this kind of stuff for your people, like. Yeah, I think. Well, a lot of things were put on hold over COVID. Mm. Yeah. So, but 
I, I, you know, it was a very um, specific program that I knew the leadership team needed to go on, um, particularly when we thought about what we've got ahead of us. Um, and, the, you know, the, the, the focus that we have in our business at the moment is on then what does first-line leadership look like? So if I've been appointed into a manager role, what does that development, you know, journey look like for me? So that is something that we're investing in as a, as a business. Um, and then we're also investing in value-based leadership, uh, and, and how do you communicate to different types of people? So, and then there's also presentation skills that some of our team members also want to to learn. So, you know, when you're looking at a growth business, and then you're looking at your people and the skills that they they need, then you're saying to yourself, okay, this is now how we need to invest to make sure that we do have that talent, that right skilled talent, and that's what we're prepared to invest in because we. Were, far prefer to succession plan from within than bring external people into our organisation. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That make, that, it's all just kind of <laughs> just piecing it together in my head. Um, and so the, the, there was two other um, challenges that you mentioned. The first one was economic and you know, part of me says well, there's still a bit of that to come, you know, like and navigating that, you know, at the moment. Um, obviously, We've gone through dramatic change in the economy over the last three years, um, and then I'd love for you to also touch on, you know, the, um, you know, the the um, environmental factor as well, because I feel like that is, you know, it was almost like five years ago that was almost like a value proposition, and now it's just an absolute a, necessity yeah, absolutely across necessity. the board. Yeah, well, I think with uh, the economic challenges. You know, we're certainly seeing those shipping challenges coming out of, you know, China. Uh, we're certainly seeing the cost of raw materials go up. So it doesn't matter where on your P&L, you're just seeing cost increases. It'll mm-hmm. be rent increases and employment increases. Training and development is also an investment into the business. So uh, the cost challenges are real. Uh, and um, But I think the work that we've been doing with the brand and the quality of the brand and what it represents in market um, and and just making sure that we're really true to that. So we've got a great brand, a great business, a great product proposition. We understand that there's supply challenges here. We understand that there's cost impacts. You know, some of that we need to absorb because mm-hmm. you can't pass everything on mm-hmm. and that's just what we have to do as a business. But we're also a business that understands where we're going to be in five years' time. And sometimes you have to take a bit of a hit. Yep. And you understand what that hit is. Where do you want to take the hit? What are, you, what are you prepared to sacrifice with that hit? And say, well, that's actually just the cost of this year. But, you know, in two years, and three years, this is actually where we're going here. Because, you know, sometimes those hits are also investments. Yeah, yep. it's, it's so interesting. To be able to grow. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's, that, that, that's that kind of magical point that we're at at the moment. What's the to- so, so what's the time horizon then? Because, mm. you, you, you know, you... you three, five years, we're always thinking about that. What's the time horizon for the decision-making around, you know, P&L challenges? What do we absorb? Like, you know, because I feel... Okay. That, that's, like, you know, that's a very hard... Like, you know, the the, the, the greater the scale of the organisation, I could understand that that is going to be something that is a pure focus and, and you know, maybe some sometimes not as well. Mm. Um, but, like, what's the time horizon and how important is that into decision-making? Well, we have our financial planners out to FY27, so we're in financial year 22 at the moment. We're about to go into 23, but we have a financial plan to 27. 
the reason why that's important is because it allows us, and when I talk about us, I'm talking about the leadership team and you know, the, uh, our other teams, it just allows us to think about where are we taking this business and being really strategic with that. Where the partnerships, what does our distribution look like? You know, what does our supply chain look like? So there are very big decisions that we've got to make over time. What does our digital um, offering look like? So that all takes time. So that's why we've got to plan that out to, you know, to, the, to that FY27 year. Um, we're, we're virtually signed off the FY23 year and I'm already starting to work on FY24. So at least two years out. Uh, and that just helped. And so, so we work two years out, but we're working every week. So every day the sales come in. Every week, you know, we're seeing our results. Every month we get, you know, we're seeing the P&L. And is it a confirmation of what we're projecting out? Mm-hmm. Or do we need to divert change? What do we need to do to make sure that we're on course? Mm-hmm. Yep. So always having that view, that vision, where you're going is so important because it allows us to understand whether we're on track or not. And, uh, you know, and that's the best way that, you know, that we're managing and leading our business. And, and that's how you know what to absorb, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you can make these big, bold decisions that probably need to happen because uh, you're so, you know, you're at, you're able to see the you know you're able to look at that horizon and say all right we we might have to go a little bit to the left or change something a tiny bit or absorb yeah. this cost or absolutely take a hit here but we know that that's really important because of actually where we're going and and we're considered about that yeah. it's when you don't you know it's when you're kind of going rudderless and you kind of don't know where you're going that you're making really erratic decisions mm-hmm. so that's just not who we are as an organization or a brand um, you know we're we're very focused um, and, and I think it allows for greater conversation. Uh, you know, there's nothing better for our teams to be involved in visionary conversations about the business. Yeah, 100%. And, and then you, you, you mentioned it, and you guys are, are leaders in certain areas, and, and we're going to talk about the environmental side of things, and that's obviously something that um, you guys are very passionate about and, and, and care very much about, and, but it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, like it's, it's not an easy thing to do, and... and uh, especially coming out of what we've just come out of and, you know, we're, we're talking about um, obviously you just mentioned shipping um, challenges and, and so on. And, and so what we've just talked about there around projecting forward, looking you know as far into the future as we possibly can without getting too far and, and lost. But, you know, there's also this thing over, over here that you really care about that's really challenging, you know, and, and from a, a logistical perspective, but you really care about it. So, you know, and, and then there's brand building and, and, and what do we want to, how do we want to, you know, what do we want the, the um, society to associate with us as well? So um, it's, you can see how, you know, like your role mm. is basically piecing all this together and, and then navigating, you know, through a lot of those yeah. challenges. And I think it starts with a vision. Mm. I mean, what are you here to do? Um. And so for us, we want to be a world-leading Australian yep, lifestyle brand. We want to be a world-leading responsible Australian lifestyle brand. Yep. So when you are a world-leading responsible Australian brand, yep, what does that actually mean? You know, when you cut down every single one of those words and then you pull out responsible. So responsible for us is actually what we have to do. It's, 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 our, it's our being. It's our how. Um, and 
that that's why visions are really important because it gives everyone alignment. Mm. And then you go, well, if that's really important, what does that actually mean for us? And and I think what I've loved about you know the last you know four years of, of my journey with Country Road is because of that word responsible. We've been able to build a sustainability team within our brand. Mm. Um, we've a, we've been, we've where we we get to work with phenomenal industrial engineers, yep, incredible designers that are doing some fantastic things around repurposing, recycling, reusing waste. And when you have a creative team that are curious and you have these really fabulous small-scale businesses that want to partner and we're really intrigued by, and we go out and visit, and we understand. We go, okay, how can we actually work with you? What could this look like? And we're 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 prepared to wait two years. So there's there's quite a few things in the pipeline that we've we've been working on for the last two years that are not in market, but that's the investment that we believe is really important, and that's what inspires teams, mm. and that's why our teams love you know working for the brand because they get to work with really interesting people and businesses. Um, and we can work from a small scale to large scale. So I, I think that that's part of, I, I think that that's been part of my, you know, I, I really love seeing innovation. And, you know, as you know, the Chadson Five Star Green Star store was just the start of that for us. Mm. But more importantly, that we actually talk about who the designer is, who the actual com- company is that actually made those products, who made the yogurt tables, because we actually want to share that knowledge because we think it's really important. So, if Country Road is a leading brand, how does it lead in in that sustainability narrative and that responsibility narrative as well too? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the magic with that is also the supply base that we also work with. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you would be amazed at the sophistication of some of these suppliers that we work with and what they're actually doing within their own organisations and their factories and manufacturing with the way that they look at water and, and, and make sure that they're not wasting any water and, and what they're doing for their, for their employees. Um, you know, an example for us um, was how, you know, we, we, we posed a question and the question was, you know, we make a lot of heritage sweats. You know, it's our number one selling item. I'm sure, uh, Kyle, you've seen our heritage yeah, sweat. Yeah. Uh, with, with, with that, a few, you've seen it. Yeah, you've probably got a few <laughs> as well too. But with that sweat, you know, and, and and there's a pattern. You know, there is some waste that's a, that's applied with that. How can we be responsible for the waste from that sweat? And so that was a question that we posed. And for 18 months, we actually worked with our vendor on what can we actually do with that waste. And so they, through all of their technology and all of their, you know, their association said, this is what we can do. We can actually reuse the waste. We can actually then use a level of virgin cotton back in with it. Yep. Retwist it, re-yarn it, and actually then use it for the heritage sweat or, or another, or sorry, for another sweat program. Mm. So, you know, that's what I mean. This, this journey of being responsible is just forever evolving um, but it is around who you've got around with you, you know, who you've got with you um, and the time that you're willing to take to make sure that you do it well and you do it the right way. Um, and, of course, we've already launched that program. And it is more expensive, Carl. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, so. it's quite interesting when I read some comments, people go, oh, well, it should be cheaper. It's actually not cheaper. It's actually more expensive to do that because of the technology that it takes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what we've got to just make sure is that it's a beautiful product mm-hmm. and that it's highly desirable. But it actually is going to cost more. 
Uh, but that's what we've in, that's what we've decided to invest that's in. That's the investment. So that's right. the investment, and so that that small thought, which is a really actually it's a big thought and big idea, has then made us just rethink. Okay, then what does that then mean for other waste? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a journey that we're on right now. How do we reduce our waste? How do we reuse waste where we're not always having to create new materials all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that that that's some, that that's quite big for us at the moment. I think the other part for us is you know is a relationship that we have um, you know with Oritane, um, as you know. Um, that that relationship was one around transparency and what you will see and how you'll see our brand, uh, you know, over time is that we intend to be more and more transparent. You know actually want to tell you our story. We actually want to tell you where that came from, how it was made, who made it. Um, and, you know, yes, there are companies that do that, but on a very limited scale. You know, we have, you know, over, what, 1,200 styles that we, you know, deliver every six months. That's a lot of, that's mm-hmm. a lot of different products. So we absolutely have the right intent to work with our vendors on on how we do become, you know, more transparent. And that's the relationship we have with Oritane. We wanted to make sure that the Australian cotton that's in that sweat that we say it is, is actually the Australian cotton. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think you know the story that uh, we did test the grey mile and the the grey mile, you know, didn't show up well. Um, And so we had to work with the vendor to say, hey, what's actually happened with the grey mile here? But that's our commitment to transparency. We want to make sure that what we're saying to you is actually what you're getting. Um, And so that's been another really interesting part of our journey. So I guess the question that I have around that is, because it's amazing, and and as we said, it's an investment, but the question I would just pose there is more from, like, you know, if you're someone who you know someone's listening to this and they really want to come on this journey and 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 they want to implement these kind of strategies these bold strategies um within their organization um what are the strategies that you use as a leader to keep that front of center and front of mind because i feel like that is a very difficult thing to do you know um and 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 what I mean by that is, like, it's you know, let's not. It might not just be the environmental side. Let's say it's it's any type of concept that we're trying to bring in, and we want to champion this. What are the strategies that you use to get that to get the whole company involved? Yeah. Is it is it is it you know company um, workshop days? Is it bringing people in to do talks? Like, what are the things that that you guys do to to you know obviously get everybody involved and, and get that alignment that you were talking about? That's a good question. Uh, I, I would say that, well, I think the vision is very important that we have. Um, when it comes to sustainability, we've also got a purpose there. So I, I think when the strategy makes sense, yeah, people go, okay, I get this. Yeah, I get the why. Yeah. So I think we've been... Very good at explaining the why. Yeah. And and I think we take a lot of time to explain that. So, as an example, um, uh, you know, I catch up with store managers, you know, every six months and I take them through the strategy of the business. We start with the vision, you know, our, our purpose, uh, our, our mantras, our belief system um, and all the strategic pillars in the business, of which there are always five. Yeah. And so... They, those five don't really change. They're the same five pillars, 
they, there might be a slight word change. The, the, the what we're doing underneath might change, but the five, strat the, the five key pillars are the same key pillars. So that consistency is important. Mm -hmm. So we always have a growth mindset. We're a growing organisation. We've got a strong vision around who we want to be. We've got a very strong purpose and we've got five key strategic pillars. And then it's about communicating that to the teams. Yeah. Okay. And if anything, as a leader, it's really important to be consistent. It's really important to, at any chance you have, to relate it back to strategy. So the reason why we're doing this is, the reason why I said that is this. Yep. And then also, how do you celebrate it? So when you're having wins. Yeah, okay. Yep, so how, when you're having wins, and that's what we do, uh, you, know, in, um, you know, we have a, what we call a monthly huddle. Um, and that is where we present the P&L um, every single month so the team can actually see the profit and loss of the business. Um, and they can understand the how, you know, they can actually see the results and how it's actually all coming together. We're not just working for the sake of working. We're actually going, no, 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 like we've got this vision, we've got this purpose. This is really what we're trying to do. And hey, your actions, are, this is what the result is. Yep. And, and, we're, and we disclose that. I think it's really important to disclose that. Um, it, you know what? People feel really trusted. You know, and when and and then on a Monday morning, we're we're also we've also got another huddle, and we talk about sales, and we talk about what worked and what didn't work. Uh, so people go, okay, I know where this business is at. I know my role in this business. I know why we're making the decisions that we're making, and I know how I fit. Guys, if you're loving this episode, make sure to take a screenshot, give us a tag, or even take a photo if you're watching it. Give us a tag, help spread the love. It helps us out dramatically. Guys, I've owned businesses now for 10 years, and let me tell you, it is hard enough as it is. Business insurance is just one of those things you don't want to have to worry about. I've been with BizCover now for six years, uh, and they make it seamless. No hassle, uh, no paperwork, and you can get insured instantly. So it's tax time. Uh, do yourself a favor. Go see if you can save some money and get a better deal. You want to trust the person next to you. You what, want to trust the do? leader in front of you. You want absolutely, to, and yeah. that's that's the key to. I mean, that you could, you know, as I said, it's making sense that that's the key as to how you build a great organization. Is that everybody trusts each other? We we, we employed these fabulous fabulous people. They are entrusted with so much information on a day-to-day -day basis. They are entrusted with millions of dollars of budgets. They are entrusted with making really big decisions. We entrust them with our numbers. We entrust them that they absolutely understand what the P&L is looking like. Mm -hmm. We entrust them with the strategy. We entrust them with knowledge. You've got to do that mm. because people then feel like, oh, the, the organisation cares about me. They, you know, they, 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 they take the time to, to communicate. I know where I fit in this. Um, There's a sense of responsibility there as well that people love to grab, I feel. Like, you know, I'm actually driving this. Now I'm partly responsible and I think, you know, and I think that's really important. Like, you know, the the growth in any individual, you know, the only we talked about this, you know, um, with your daughter and what she's doing on camp, and it's it's a sense of responsibility. But it's it's the same thing, you know. Like, I look at the times that I've grown in life, and it's probably when I needed to take responsibility for what you know, whatever you know, part of my life that was, and 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 that sense of responsibility helped me step up, and and I, you know, you could mm -hmm. see how that there's a translation there in, into business and hiring talent and everything we've been talking about over yeah. the last 30 minutes. You know, at the end of the day, my job is to trust and inspire. Mm. 
that's my job, you know. And through trust is all those things we just spoke about, inspiring about where we're going as an organisation um, and to look up to, that's really important to me. And then as you just said, Carl, you know, to empower, empower, empower. Mm. If you've got the right people on your team, you see it. You see it when you give team members the opportunity of either projects or solving problems or coming up with ideas or even being involved in strategy day. So at our strategy workshop, it's just not the leadership team. Everyone. It's, it's those really key, you know, decision makers in our organisation that are really clever, that, you know, are these really fabulous. They're the next us. Mm. So they should be involved in these forums. And do you know how, I mean, they, they absolutely step up, they present to us, they're involved in conversations because they're, they're, they're the ones owning it and they're going to be the future of the organisation. And so that, that's part of my role is to make sure that I leave the logo in a better place. Mm. So I'm, the only way I'm going to do that is through making sure that I've got great people around me um, and, uh, and, and for the organisation in time to come. Wow. It all makes sense. Wrapping all that together, I just, I think that's amazing. And, uh, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of insight there as well, you know, for, for, for people that, uh, you know, obviously listening to this, wanting to learn as well. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, when you really think about it, when you think about, you know, because I know that some people, oh, you, sh- you, know, you know, you show sales. Yeah, of course we do. Well, so what's the worst thing that could happen from that? There's not much. But we, sometimes we get so concerned about holding on to information and not sharing information because we just don't know where that information is going to go. Well, who cares where it goes? You know, at the end of the day, it's actually going to the individuals and 99% of the time it's actually used in the right way. And imagine the organisation flourishing that way. Mm. I think as well, everybody being on the same page. Absolutely. It's just critical. Yeah. You, know, you can see how, that, how important that is. And, and you know... It's the trust piece, right? It's it's the kind of trust piece that we talked about. If you're not willing to show it, you you probably have to take a look inside and and maybe go, well, why aren't we willing to show this? Yeah, what are we hiding? Yeah. What are they? What's <laughs> that? You know, like what's going on? You know what I mean? <gasps> yeah. um, I would love for you to tell us about the Our World campaign and 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 go into that and and and, and share a little bit of information about that. Um, so the Our World campaign, um, well, really, it is that pillar of a good business journey. Mm. Um, it is about delivering to being, you know, a world-leading, responsible Australian lifestyle brand. Um, and we have key strategic pillars, once again, underneath that around circularity, around transparency, um, around our relationship with Oritane, of course, which is part of the, you know, the transparency piece. Um, but we also, um, you know, as, as, as we're working through this, we then think about, well, we work with incredible cotton farmers um, in Australia. And what would it look like if we actually had a biodiversity project underway where we help to reju- you know, rejuvenate the land. Mm. Um, and uh, that's a, that's a, a $600,000 um, investment um, that we've made with land care of how we can actually work with farming families. Mm. Um, and once again, we've been able to really make a difference on those farms and for those families as well. And I think that that's part of you know, giving back, isn't it, from, to the, I know, you know, to the soil, you know, giving back and saying thank you and helping our farmers. So that's a very important project that we're, you know, is well and truly underway. We're working with three farmers now. Uh, and then also the work that we do when we think about our world um, around reconciliation. 
um, you know, we're about to, uh, you know, go through the reconciliation action plan process. We're going through that at the moment. Um, we work with Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair Foundation. Um, you know, we sponsor the we sponsor NIFA, a country to Kachua. So that's been incredibly inspiring for the business as well too. Um, we're working on our acknowledgement of country to make sure that that's embedded through the organisation. And very importantly, uh, we make sure that we have a platform, or Country Road is a platform, uh, for First Nations voices, mm -hmm. for stories to be told, um, about educating, about being inspiring. So that is well and truly underway, and that is part of, as I said, our world. Um, so it's, it's the work that we do with Red Cross, um, with all of the... Uh, you know, with country road garments that somebody may not love anymore and, you know, wants <laughs> yeah. to donate and then that goes to Red Cross and then that raises money. We've raised, you know, over $750,000, um, you know, for, for different uh, organisations. So when you think about our world, it, it's, it's all-encompassing. And uh, I've got a great team that are working through, um, you know, each of those opportunities – but the one that's really close to my heart will always be around how we repurpose, how we recycle, how we reuse waste. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a really important next phase for us as an organisation that you'll start seeing. So, so what, what inspired all of this? You know, like, so, so, because obviously there was a clear, there was a, there was a point in time where the company said, all right, we're going to lead this, we're going to take this and, and we, these are the things we care about and this is where we're going. But you know, what was the, the the process to get to that point where we could make that decision? Yeah, I, well, first of all, being under WHL. Yeah. So WHL want to make sure that their business, we are actually world-leading responsible, well, we're world-leading responsible retailers. That's very important for the group. Mm -hmm. So working for a group that already has that mindset and that belief system has actually made it really, I'm going to say, really pretty easy for us to actually go, okay, this is what we really believe in, this is what we want to go with. So I think that that's first of all important, that you've got that very high, you know, that we've got that support. Well, once you have that support, it was then an ambition, that we started with one ambition. And I think that that's it, Carl. I don't think that, I think it's an evolutionary process. Yeah. So we started with an ambition and that is that we wanted to have one sustainable attribute in every product that we produced. And so that's what we all started working towards. And as we were starting to work towards that, we started having relationship with Australian cotton farmers. Mm -hmm. And as we were working with Australian cotton farmers, we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, that what we were saying in our garments, was, and then we started working with Oritane. Yeah. And then as we were working with the merino wool farmers and the cotton farmers and actually going out to the farms and, um, you know, and uh, our team have just been to cotton camp as well too, then we started learning a little bit more about the land. And through our relationship with, you know, Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair Foundation and the work that we're doing with our RAP, we started thinking about the land mm. and, you know, and First Nations knowledge of the land. And so what does that mean for us and where should we participate there? And so therefore, of course, we had the relationship with land care. So it's... it's and, then, and, then, um, and then it can be as... You know, something like, uh, you know, one of our homeware designers, Bill, uh, he watched an ABC program and, uh, and there was this great guy that was doing, you know, making out of bread clips, you know, these beautiful bowls. 
and Bill came into the business and he said, hey, you know, this guy is doing some really interesting things. He's in Robe in South Australia. We said, great, go and meet him. And so he got on a plane, you know, went to Robe, you know, met the guy and, of course, we started ranging, you know, those bowls. And mm. so from that bread clip conversation, then we started thinking about, well, then what does that mean for other waste? So having WHL, an intent, a purpose, something small that we started with, now how that's just resonated through the business and now who we're working with and the partnerships that we have. Um, and we're still evolving. We're still learning uh, and, and, and I can't wait to think about what we can do next. And then, of course, once you start working on that, then you go, how, what about the stores that we're building? You know, how could we build, you know, a five-star store? What would that actually look like? So... I think it highlights the, the importance of the things you've just said, vision, purpose. Mm. It all starts with a vision. It starts with a purpose. We don't know where we're going to be. We don't know how it's going to happen. But, hey, if we're all on the bus and we're ready to go, we can make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, so interesting. So we're going to, I guess, uh, a little bit of a pivot in the conversation now. And, and I'd love to, obviously, you know, you're, you're a leader in fashion. Country Road is a, you know, a, a leader in fashion. But for, you know, for small businesses now, you know, what are some of the things that you think can bring them success, you know, fashion businesses over this, you know, the next five years? What are, what are the things that, you know, you, you would advise, you know, in terms of saying, look, these are the things that we think can really, you know, help bring success to, to yeah. not only to the industry, but also to, to you know, to startups and, and so on. I love niche businesses. I love businesses in the fashion industry that have really found their niche, you know, mm. their soul yeah. and what they're good at. Um, I love Mr. Winston. Really? I just think that's... Mr. Winston? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fabulous business model. Oh, you know, my kids are obsessed yes, with that yeah, brand. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, and, and, and my younger one, you know, she's 12. I mean, she is on that side, you know, just waiting for the countdown. When are they releasing? When are they releasing? And so <laughs> I look at that and I go... That's just a that's just a wonderful concept, you know. So, and and but it's it's fabulous. It's you know the like they've just got the right level of fashionability. Their graphic treatment is fantastic. I love the way they shoot it, and they're really clever with social media. Yeah. Yep. So I love that. And the other one that I really love is Poppy Lizerman. You know, I love what she does with her bags. You know, she's about really cool crossbody bags with her brand, you know, and also other little bags as well too, and she's all about colour and fabric. And that's what she's really great at. And the way, the quirk as to how she produces that, um, how she shoots it, how she promotes it on social media, you know, there's just a great niche. Um, and then I've got to take my hat off to, you know, Glam Corner. You know, when you think about, you know, what they've done is that they've seen an opportunity in the market that wasn't there. You know, they really thought about, re, you know, um, you know, hiring, you know, um, and, and hiring of garments and, you know, and, and, and why do you need to buy and, you know, how can they solve the waste issue? You know, and I think that that's it. They, they solved a problem. You know, how do we rethink waste? And... So that's when, you know, of course, when they came up with Glam Corner and, Glam Corner and hiring out uh, their garments. And I look at that niche and I go, that's just so clever. Um, and so they've all had a purpose. They've all found their niche. They've used social media in a really clever way. And they've just been really true to who they are. Mm. And I think that that's really important for any startup. 
You know, don't try and be someone else. Just be yourself. Really utilise the power of social media. I mean, it's just phenomenal, some of the smaller brands that are coming up these days purely based on a social media following. So... I, I, I think that that's what's about. There are so many there are so many fashion brands out there, but what are you truly passionate about? And what problem are you solving? And, and how make it, yeah, it's you know like it's that authenticity around that problem, Absolutely. isn't it? Like, don't start a business for the sake of it and just go and copy. Like, you got to really be passionate about what you're doing, and 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 you know, it's like don't you're not trying to manufacture the differentiation because you're already different. Mm. Just just. Just what are you passionate about? What's the problem you want to solve? And then, you know, it's the same. Vision, purpose. Yeah. Figure out how we how do we solve this? I mean, I love F, uh, Effie Katz. I love what she does, you mm. know, on social media. Uh, you know, how she's that ambassador uh, and, and just how she, the regularity of posting and how good and how consistent she looks. So, you know, it, it, it's that niche, you know, but they're very clear on their purpose. They're very clear on their vision. They're very clear on their style. And that cl- when that clarity comes through, comes through a level of confidence. Mm. Yeah, the people just want to buy into. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I would encourage. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, it's. I mean, that's something. Uh, conversations I've been having as well around that is is you know that authenticity piece. It seems, especially with the power of social media, and if you think about that, and you think about, you know, it's such a beast. Like you know, we 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 have to put so much effort into working it sounds it sounds like you know it sounds minor but it's working the algorithm without it going away from who we are and and what we're trying to do you know like trying to find these different things that work and i just think it's like but it's so much easier when you know who you are and you know what you're about and, yeah and that kind of rings true with, absolutely with what we're talking and, and about. you know you know in your gut you do you just got to listen to it and follow it yeah so obviously, we, you know, when it comes to managing staff, you go through difficult moments. Um, I don't, as I said, I don't want to say difficult staff. I know it's a problem that exists, but how do you how do you manage that that you know that moment or you know that relationship when maybe we aren't on the same page and things aren't working out? Or how do we how do we create change, you know, in that relationship to kind of to make sure we can move forward? Or is there a point where it's like, well, this just isn't working? Yeah, I, I think the most important thing, first of all, just to when, when you do see that change of behaviour, um, what I like to do first of all is just kind of sit back and just kind of what is it? I got up today and didn't have a good day, you know. I just split up with my boyfriend. Kind of, I just I always just like to kind of go, what's the pattern here? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's first and foremost, because everyone can have a bad day or a bad week. Mm. Yeah. Once you can see that there's a regularity of pattern, um, I think the most important thing you can do is just try to understand why. I don't think anybody comes to work to deliberately be difficult. I'd like to think that. I think that we have lives. Our lives are very complex. Um, There's a lot of conflicting priorities within our lives. And nowadays, you bring your life to work. (laughs) Yep. The old, you know, you used to leave it at the door, but now, you know, and, and but that's a great thing because it's really nice that people bring their whole selves to work. So if you want people to bring their whole selves to work, you know, you, we are sometimes are going to go through these, um, you know, these conditions. And, and do, I know that this is going to sound really simplistic, but the most important thing to ask someone is, are they okay? Mm. That's the most important thing. Mm. Are you okay? 
yeah, I've noticed this. Just talk to me. What's, what's going on for you? And I find that when you do that, nine times out of ten, somebody will say, hey, you know what, this is what's going on for me. And then that opens up the conversation to say, okay, so that might be going on for you. Probably the way it's just showing up at the moment is this. Are you aware of that? Yeah. So I think what's really important is don't assume. Understand that they're a person. We have lives. They're very complex. Make sure they're okay. Um, and be gentle there. Um, and let them just know kind of how it's showing up. And maybe what you'd like to see. Or maybe when do they think they're going to be back on track. So I think that there can be those conversations. Um, the more complex, difficult conversations, um, they... They, they, they require a bit they, that actually requires that as base camp <laughs> Carl and and then and then when you don't see the change then then there are more serious conversations to mm. be had I think it's so important in a culture within a culture of an organization that once we you start having those problems and that they, they do happen you know that 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 you get onto them as quickly as you possibly can is there a relationship there with performance? Like Absolutely there is. Yeah. Well, it'll either be either be they're great at their job, but they're not great with people yeah, okay. and the teams around them. And so if you want to be really great in our organization, you have to be great at your job and great with people. So that's sometimes where I see that difference. I might be really good at my job, but I'm really not great at communicating. I'm really not nice to be around. Um, I'll do everything last minute and then that'll impact the person next to me and the workload onto somebody else. Mm -hmm. So when those kind of behaviours are happening, it's first of all just making sure that the person's aware of it. They may or may not be and then what do they need? They might be actually really poor with time management. Okay, no problem. What problem do we need to solve here for you so you actually are better at time management? Yep. Mm. So there's, all, there's only going to be three issues. It's always people, process or structure. People, process, structure. That's it. That's what we always come down to. Is this a people issue? Yep. Is it a process issue or is it a structural issue? What, so when you say, I understand process people, what's structure? Like what, what is that relating so, to? So it could be the way that we're structured as an organisation. So yeah. do yep. we have, and normally for me, structure is probably the last one that I touch. Yeah. Yep. But actually, is, it, is, is there something that I'm not doing right because I don't know the job that I have to do? Is it behavioural or is it because I'm just not clear on my accountability? I'm actually not clear because I don't have a job description. I'm not clear because somebody didn't tell me to do that. Um, and if that person is great culturally and they know what they're doing but there still seems to be a problem, then is it a, is it a process issue? Okay. Do we not have the right processes? Do we not have the right meetings set up? in our business to actually make that person successful. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then if we do have the right, if we do have the right people and we do have the right process, then structurally as a business, are we right? Do we have enough team members? Do we have enough people to support that person? Yeah, okay. Yep. So it's like, you know, maybe maybe the the workload's too big. Correct, and exactly. We have right. to bring people in, Absolutely. assistance, you know. Yep. So yep, on. whatever that might look like. You know, does that person should that person actually be reporting to that person or does it make more sense actually for them to report into this person? Mm. Do they have too many direct reports? Yeah. So that's why, you know, I, I if I, if you ever come to me with a problem, that's that's probably where we'll start. We'll actually start with a person first and work our way through that. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I've never I haven't heard that before, which mm. I find 
it's a great filter, isn't it? To, you know, like as a leader to be able to have those conversations and you're not going to directly say that, but you're going to tick them off in the background and just say, hey, like, you know. In the last 12 months, we've had all. We've had it all. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and we have restructured our business because we could see that there were process and structural issues. You know, there was part of our business which you went, these are incredible team members, right? Great team. Why are we a little dysfunctional here? Why are we not working the way that we should be? You know, and then you go, great, 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 great. Okay, we've we've actually got a process issue here. Then then when we started unpacking that, we said, actually, we're structured not correctly. So Mm. we've done a huge piece of work restructuring ourselves and getting the right processes in. Happy team. Yeah, so we're we're taking the problem through that filter. Filter, always through that filter. Mm, Amazing. Um, and, and so we've, we've talked about talent and, you know, there's a premium on talent right now. You've got to be doing amazing things to keep your talent and attract talent. But when is there a, you know, and this is a hard question, but it's, you know, when we're talking about the attributes that you are looking at in, say, someone, whether you're, you know, maybe it's not necessarily just about bringing talent in, but it's also about, giving talent a greater opportunity? Like maybe, okay, we're looking for someone in a leadership role. Is there an, an, an attribute that you really look for or a few there that you like, you know, not skill but attribute in a person? They have to be hungry, they have to be smart and they have to be humble. And the humility in that is that they understand that they have learning gaps and they're able to articulate that. And so when you're... You know, that's obviously being communicated across the company when when, when people are hiring. But, it, you know, that's something you're directly looking for. You oh, know? It's a question. It's always a question. It doesn't matter who I'm hiring. It doesn't matter if I'm hiring somebody reporting into me, yeah, or through the organisation. But, you know, tell us in your current role, you know, what are the gaps in your learning? Where do you think, you know, where, where do you think your learning gaps are? If you came into our organisation... Where do you think the gaps would be as we've talked you through this role and what you're doing today? Where could those gaps be so we could support you more? Mm. Really interesting. What that, that's such there. an interesting thing. I, 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 I mean, even myself personally, like, I mean, I, haven't, I don't have as much experience, right? But when you're going through that hiring process, asking the right questions is, is critical, you know? And, and I've been through it where it's like, well, that went really well and then it's like that didn't go really well and obviously you have a standardised kind of set of questions and stuff like that but I mean this, the, are you asking questions around those those three H's that you, you, you just mentioned? Oh, whenever first of all um, and I've had it just recently where I have interviewed someone um, we did it over a couple of days um, and the first day for the first hour where I met this person, all I wanted to understand was them. Didn't ask them anything about the business that they work for. I just wanted to understand who they were. Mm. So all of my questioning was about who they were as a person. Mm. Because the most important thing for me is can we actually get along culturally? Are we aligned? Are our values aligned? Will we actually work together well? So that was the first part. And then the second part, of course, is then around the questions around ability. And, and, and part of that is, you know, you've read the job description, you understand the role, we've talked it through. Now talk to me about where do you think those gaps might be for you? Because it's really important for me as your leader, yeah, to understand that and to support you. Where could that be for you? What do we need to put around you? Who do we need to put around you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always found, I mean, and I think that's one of the most, especially early on, like, you know, in a small business or, or an organization, I feel like once you've got the experience there and, and you've got to be able to read people because, you know, sometimes people tell you what you want to hear. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why you can throw them off guard a bit when you say something like that because they're all, and then, oh, uh, uh, you know, you know let, let's read through that again together, you mm. know. So I always find that quite interesting. Or come back to me. If you don't have – just come back to me and, and, you know, we'll just pick up this conversation again. Maybe just have a bit of a think about that one. Yeah, yeah. And so what have you changed your mind on or, or something? What's something you've changed your mind on as it relates to, uh, you know, leadership, say, mm. you know, over the last two to three years? I don't think everyone makes a great manager. I don't think everyone can lead. I used to think that they could. Really? I used to think that everybody could be a great manager and I don't and I think that there are some people incapable of managing. What, okay, so can we can we unpack that a little bit? <laughs> Cuz that's big. Well, that's not a, that's an unpopular opinion, right? Like, you know, like that's that's uh, you know, it's going to make people think a little bit, but It depends. I want to ask yeah. this. I do want to ask this. What is, okay, so, so what, are we, what are we looking for in someone that can't lead or can't manage? This is what I, I think. I think sometimes we make decisions to promote people because they're really great at their job. They're really great at their skill. They're exceptional at their skill. And we put them into a management role. But not everybody loves people. Not everybody shows empathy. Not everybody cares. Not everybody wants to see others grow and flourish. Not everybody actually feels comfortable having one-on-one -on -one time with people. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got to be really careful who we put into management roles. Because there are people out there that, yeah, are great at what they do, but that's actually what they do yeah. really well. And then you complicate it by putting people issues in. Because as soon as you're managing a team, you're managing people issues. <laughs> yep. You're managing people's lives and they're bringing it to work every day. And if you want to be a great manager, then you've got to care about that. Yep. You've got to keep your team engaged. You've got to be great at communication. It's you've got to keep people informed. Um, you've got to be able to listen. You've got to be able to care, genuinely care. If Such you want a to be a good skill set too, isn't it? It's, it's just it's, a, it's, a, it's so different to just being a technician and being like, I'm doing this. I know I, it's such a a different skill set, and you have to have emotional intelligence. You have to be able to, okay, this person's come in. It's not, you know, like we talked about it before. Then you know, there's something, you know, maybe they're a little bit off, and it's not, you know, dig in a little bit more. The technician in you says, well, why aren't they doing that properly? Come on, like, like this it's is critic. not... Yeah, yeah, the critic in you. Yeah. Yeah, yes, is that exactly right. But th then that's what I'm saying. We can put anybody into a management role, but it doesn't mean that everybody succeeds in that management role. Mm. Worse still, the team underneath don't succeed mm. because of the decision that you've made to put somebody into that role. Mm. So that's a, a big change for me. Mm. So the last thing uh, before we... The last question I have for you before we dive into quick fire. Which quick fire? You know, quick fire. You 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 were in that. You you've been there. Um, day in the life. What's it look like? <laughs> you know, like like. So what do you, what do you, you know? Because I'm interested in this. Because because you know, like, 
I'm looking to fulfill the managing director role, the CEO role in my company and and it's going to be a bit different, right? But but like, you know, I'm I'm really interested. How do you what, what does your day include? How do you manage your day? Like I, I just looked at Amber just in my EA and <laughs> she just started laughing. <laughs> she just started laughing here. Um, I think the first thing is country road is my life. Yeah. Like I love what I do every single day and night. Um, and I'm obsessed by it. So, because um, we talked about this last time, and, yeah. and one thing you did say was, I, I remember this so, you know, succinctly in my mind, and I was like, so what about, you know, what about outside of work, or like what, you know, what, what's what, you know, and, and it was a question like that, and you said, no, it was kind of more around, who, you know, who are you outside of work, and and you and you kind of come back to me and said, I'm the same person, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home. You know, and, and, and there was this obsession there that I could see around not not purely work. Like, obviously, that's there. That's why you're in the role you're in. But more around who you are as a person and what you do for people. Mm. So, uh, yeah. That, that's so, 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 I'd probably say that my day is different every single day. Um, and But my day is full of people. My day is full of people conversations. Because once you have a vision and a strategy and a roadmap, then... The role I play is just making sure that we're all make, we're all aligned to that and what we're doing every single day is based on that. Yeah. So I need to make sure we're not getting distractions. Yep, I need to make sure we're focused. I need to make sure that the team are engaged. I need to make sure that we're delivering what we said we would. But all of that means that I'm having – my whole day is full of conversations. So there is not a gap in the day. I think Amber's laughing because, you know, until I don't think you can see me until, I don't know, maybe October. But, but it is just full of, um, I'm going to say meetings, but they're actually, they're, they're time that I've got to spend with different teams, yeah, to deliver what we've got to um, as, our, as our goals. It's time that I need to spend with my exco as well too, who are my team, you know, as part of the Country Road group. Yep. So it's the investment that I need to make with my other managing directors as well. So... You know, being being a managing director is um, it is a it's a great responsibility to have, um, and I, I suppose I I, I cherish it, you know or, or every meeting that I have, whether they be external meetings, internal, but they're all very focused on what we've got to deliver on, and I don't like distractions at all because you can just start to spin plates and get people to spin plates and then we all feel a bit chaotic. So mm. we've just got to be really, really disciplined with our time and how we're spending our time and who we're spending our time with. But I would also hope to think that I inspire in those meetings as well too. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of people management. It's about yep. overarching strategy, vision, purpose, and then people. these are my people. Absolutely. These are the teams we're working with. This is their responsibility. Yep. How are they performing? Are they okay? Yeah, what problems are we trying to solve? Mm. What, how do you need me to actually solve that problem? Or are you okay and you got this? Mm. You know, who's our next hypos in our business? Mm. And what about then the ones underneath them? And what are we doing for those? So it's, a, it's, it's, it's many different kind of views. It's a today view. It's a tomorrow view. It's your team view. It's setting the brand up for success and the business up for success. It's worrying about my leadership team and making sure they're, you know, got the support that they need. Wow. So that's what I got to do, is it? 
I'm up for the fight. <laughs> um, we're going to dive into quick fire now. So I do have to preface this, but I think you, you look. You're you're a you you nailed it last time, but um, it's. It's not short answers, you know. Like I had, um, it's funny, uh, Kevin. I had Kevin on, oh, right? yes. and, and um, he's, ne- you know, he kind of sat down. And he's like, "Oh, what's a podcast? Like, you know, what am I doing here?" And then it was like, you know, he did like this five-word answer, and I'm like, Kevin, like, you need to get a bit more here, you know what I mean? <laughs> but he just didn't, under- you know. But so, yeah. so you know, you don't feel like there's, there's no cap on your answer. You no can problem. say whatever you want to say. Um, one piece of advice for your younger self. Um, get rid of the naysayers and just surround yourself with great people, really good people, people that really support you, will tell you the honest truth, who will just stick through with by you through thick and thin. They're the ones that are going to be there tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and just yeah, get rid of those negative people in your life because they are, they, they, it, it's, un, it's unhealthy to have that negativity in your life. That's a, you know, it's a, like, it's such a difficult thing to do, I think, the first time you do it, you know, so it's one of those things that, like, you know, I'm thinking about someone who's, you know, like, Mm. I did it, you know, going through my 20s, you know, you, 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 you you commit to something like a business or uh, uh, something of that nature, a career, and then it's, it's, okay, well, now I, you start to realise that, there's sacrifice that has to come with that. And then that a lot of that is the people you spend – because, you know, you might have this – you know, I look back and I think there's people I've spent the last 10 years and built my life around that now I can't be. And all of a sudden you go through somewhat of an identity crisis because you, 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 you do have to start spending more of your time with other people. And you do. It's not and, and you're evolving as well too, Carl. I think that's the most important thing. With what you just said, it just means that you've – got this incredible life ahead of you that you're evolving and you're showing greater interest or more interest into other people as well and that's okay because those other people have been with you since you know your early 20s will always be with you if you want them to be yep okay so what what advice do you have then for people that feel bad for doing that what for letting go of yeah. people that yeah because that's that's a, I, I can almost guarantee right that the the you know the I have these conversations with people all the time and it's you're evolving and but and then people start to feel bad. They have this this voice inside of them. I, I feel bad for okay. for doing this, for, for you know, for sacrificing my time with this person or or you know, um even though it's not healthy for me. You know. Well, here you go. This is it, Carl. This is our life. You know, the greatest lesson in my life is my dad. My dad's 97. I see him every Friday night. My dad made decisions in his life because of other people. Didn't follow through on something. Didn't live out his great ambition, you know. Was too worried about what somebody would say or think. And so, at times, decided not to do those things because of those people. Where do you think those people are, Carl? They're not around. And, as, and I can say that because and, and I'd sit and I'd watch, you know, speak to my dad and that's the greatest lesson that he's taught me, is that this is it. Yep. And I, it's lovely that we have that empathy. I'd probably go, why, why do you feel that you need to give them up? If you're giving them up, uh, you know, having negative people in your life are actually going to hold you back. And, and it's not good for you. It's actually not good for your health. It's not good for you. And when time's ticking, <laughs> when you're sitting there in your chair, 
and you're looking back, who are you really going to be thinking about? Who do you want in your life? Life goes quick. Life goes very quick, Carl. Yeah. Goes very quick. That's so true. Time is the, you know, that's, that's the human deficiency. We're not good with time. That's know, all in we terms have. Of, yeah, that's but it, all we have. It's the most important thing, it's isn't the all, it? So, so how do you want to spend your time? So you asked me about being a managing director. I deliberately have to choose where I spend my time. Yeah, because you can't be everything to everyone because you'll then not give enough to yourself or to your husband and to your family. So you've got to make these decisions. You've got to as you grow up. So true. So what advice do you have for future women in business and media? <laughs> this is their time. <laughs> We've been so lucky as women that phenomenal women have paved the way for now. Network, 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 support each other, care for each other um, and just go for it. This is your time. Be entrepreneurial. Join great network groups. Um, educate yourself. Put yourself out there and own your space and do it well. I feel, you know what, like I don't know what it is but I, f I do feel that. I, and, and as a male, I do feel that there... There's a movement. It is, it is just a... It's, there's a sense of power yeah. now that around females and, and you know, that I, I, I you know, wholeheartedly hope that that leads to may, much more opportunity and, and so on. But, I, you know, you're just right. I, I feel there is a sense of power around... Yeah. Use the power for good. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Um, and then don't apologise. You know, own your space... You know, you've worked too hard for too long to get here. Now own it. Mm. Mm, that's the truth. Okay, so I actually ch – this is not going to be there. This is, a, this is a new question, okay? <laughs> but I did swatch – this is the last one and I did switch it in last minute. But what is the most important trait to be a great leader and why? I think integrity. I think to when I look at leaders that I've worked with, um, when you have this sense of responsibility of people that are reporting into you and that are looking at you every single day, they're watching you, they're listening to you. They're watching you even when you don't know they're watching you and listening to you even when you're making a passing comment, I think you've got to have great integrity as a person. I think great integrity shows great role modelling. Um, so I think having, yeah. So, so what does integrity mean to you then? I think being honest, being true to your word. Um, yeah, being, being a good person. Staying true to yourself. Being true to yourself. Being somebody that, you know, you'd, you'd be proud of being. It's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, it is you a know. good question. If there was only one. No, I, I, so, sorry, the question I meant is, are you proud of who you are? Like, I feel like that's such mm. a powerful question to ask yourself. Mm. Like, you know, it's a yes or no answer, right? Yes, yeah, that's right. And if, it, if no, why? If yes, why? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can underestimate as a leader just how on show you are every single day. Oh. And I, 
people just they you know like they just not like they we are observing creatures and as Absolutely. a leader you are under the microscope and 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 not because someone's going to tell you off it's actually the opposite it's because well, hey if 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 it's okay for my leader to do it then it's okay Absolutely. for me to do so it. what are you role modeling yeah what behaviors are you role modeling so what does integrity look like you know in the workplace do you follow through on your word you know are you honest with your word you know are mm. you true um, how do you show up every single day? I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what's important for what, what I, when I think about what I want to look like in front of my team. I'd like them to look at me and think I'd I'd like to be like that. Mm. I want to be like that. Mm. I think we've all been with leaders. That, uh, that haven't shown that integrity, um, that haven't, you know, I, I think that's the other part about leadership is that you when you, you, when you look to a leader, you want to make sure that they've got your back, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you've got, you, you know, that there's this kind of really safe, secure environment that they've created for you, mm-hmm. you know, that it's a really, you know, that there's psychological safety that you've created as a as – a, and I, that calls, falls under integrity for me as well too, that it's a really safe space. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing as well. Like I feel like – I don't know what the right term is. I'm going to use refractory period in, in the result of that. You know, like you, you, you know, what you did – how you led six months ago will probably show up in two weeks, you know, the, the, if there's an issue or if, if – you know, and I think you can learn a lot from that. You know, like something. Uh, yeah, I just feel like it's there. There is this kind of period of time where it's, and it's. Uh, I guess it stresses the importance to always be asking that question of yourself. Mm. You know, like no matter what you're going through, it's easy to get distracted, but keep asking that question because you're going to feel the effects of however you're leading or however however you led mm. in the future. Mm. Yeah, you know, so. Super powerful. Well, you see it immediately because you see it in teams. You see it when they're all sitting around a table and nobody's talking. Mm. You see it when they leave and all talk. You, you, see, you yeah. see poor leadership straight away. And you see the result that that has on the team and you see the disempowerment of the team, the disengagement of the team. You can see it straight away. Yeah. It's not, it's not what they say, it's what they don't say. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Al, I want to say a massive thank you for coming on the show again. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I think, look, you know, you're someone that I look up to massively um, and I'm so appreciative of your time. Like I understand how busy you are and, and the mission that you're on. So the fact that you can spare this time for, for, you know, our audience but also myself is something that I appreciate greatly. So a massive thank you to you and um, obviously good luck with everything and not that you'll need it. I know that you <laughs> You'll be able to run with it, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, again, a massive thank you. Carl, thank you so much, and you should be so proud of what you've achieved here. You're, you're doing really, really great stuff, so thank you very much. Thank you for having me a second time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. And to everyone who tuned in, a massive thank you to you guys. I can't tell you how much your support means to us. Um, it allows us to do more of it, which is which is great. Uh, and to John, you know, thank you for putting this together and and Amber, Amber, thank you so much for, for, for making, yeah, yeah, exactly, making this happen. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next week. Thank you.